Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I am so happy to welcome my friend Terry Dame to the trailer. We are in the bee. And the B, the name, is going to come into play here in this conversation. Terry Dame is a musician, an artist, a film composer, and an instrument maker. There's so many things I can say about Terry that have to do with her music and composing. But something that's really captivated me uh, over the past couple of years, actually, is something that Terry Dame has been doing. She calls herself the Handy Hag, and she has a homestead. And this homestead is a project that has to do with the land. And there's a whole history around the land and the, and the women's movement and queerness and being a lesbian and also counterculture across all different kinds of identities. So I'm r- really excited to be speaking with Terry about her homestead. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. Happy to be in the bee. Well, this is just fantastic. I guess I'd like to start, as I've watched you become more and more immersed in your projects that combine your interests. And one of them is recycling, is actually creating something from what somebody might call junk. You have a band, The Junkyard Gamelon which I have listened to over the years. I want you to start, and then I'm going to kind of jump on there because there's so many incredible things that you've been doing at your home on the land. Yeah, where to start? So, um, you know, I started to think as you were talking about when I the recycling, reusing thing really hit me. Um, I've always been environmentally aware growing up in the middle of nowhere in the country in Western Mass., and actually went into environmental planning in my undergraduate years. So, you know, I feel like I've come kind of, I would like to look at my my path as like that environmentalism early on. Also had music in my life early on. My mother was a musician. and Any instrument we wanted to study, we could as long as we practiced. If we stopped practicing, that was it. Well, no you more. must have been a good practicer <laughs> because you play many instruments. I do. I, and I don't even play the instruments I played when I was a kid hardly anymore. I mean, I played piano because that's what my mother played and taught. And um, and then my childhood uh, was um, instrument was trumpet that I played. You, you must remember Sister Teresa and the All Jew Girl Band. Absolutely, I do. <laughs> a band with four... Uh, Four Debs, three Jews, and a trumpeting Christian. <laughs> and Terry Dane was the trumpeting Christian. I'm not much of a Christian, but... <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, but, you know, I, I kind of graduated from college and, and had a desk job in a planning agency for a year. And, I, you know, I kind of like the work, but I'm not a desk job kind of gal. And very soon after that, bought a synthesizer and moved to New York and got involved with WOW and around and around. But um, And you know, WOW is, just for people listening, is a feminist queer performance space that still exists on e- mm-hmm. East 4th Street in the East Village of New York City. Yeah, and founded by other local transplants, Peggy Shaw and Lois Weaver, I'll add. But anyway... Um, 
I went back to graduate school in the mid-90s, and that's where I started making instruments out of found objects. Just um, It was part of my thesis project. Uh, it was a piece called Women's Work, a collaboration with a dancer. It was sort of an exploration of these sort of traditional domains of women's you know, employment. And my task was to build sound-making devices out of quotidian objects from those domains. So that's what got me going. And one of my mentors introduced me to the contact microphone and how to build one. And the contact microphone is a little um, easily built microphone that senses vibration in solid objects as opposed to through the airways, which is how most microphones Mm. work. I was sticking them on the salad spinner and the this and the that and the other thing, coat hangers and rubber bands. And um, I just was loving it, you know, just making these original sounds. And um, yeah, I moved back to New York and just kept doing it. Just started gathering objects. And so, yeah, that went on for a very long time. And then, you know, at a certain point living in the city. And that's Ronan jumping off the bench. Go ahead. <laughs> Living in the city, I really, you know, missed the country. Oh, hello, Ronan. Ronan the dog, <laughs> who's now with Terry. And uh, bought a piece of land and, you know, started this homestead. I didn't know at the time that's and what I was doing. this land is just outside of Roscoe, New York, which is in the Sullivan County Catskills. And you're just over the line in Delaware County. Yeah. yeah. But I'm a DIYer and I, you know, that love of, you know, my two loves in life, making music and making things and making sound. And actually, post-pandemic, one of I've expanded that into listening. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in the pandemic listening to, the, to my land. Um, and what did you hear? What did you learn? Well, you know, it's just interesting. The, the less noise there is, the more you hear, right? So nature is loud. And I noticed all kinds of there birds that I had never mm. noticed before. And I don't know it. Lots of people, I mean, certainly people in the city were saying that. And it was due, less people, different birds did come. And also you heard things that you didn't hear before. But yeah, I mostly I got really involved in uh, in listening and recording birds. Um yeah, so, um, oh my God, there's so many kinds. Um, all the different kinds of brushes that are around, that, that amazing one that sounds, I hear it like it sounds like a spiral sound. Yes. I, I, I imitate it, but I'm not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> lots of warblers, lots of kinds of chickadees. Um, I mean, just so many. There's an amazing app, Cornell bird app identifier that is super cool it not only tells you what bird you're hearing but it gives like it shows you like the waveform of its song it's really great but yeah so slowly i've i've built a big garden there i haven't bought a vegetable since like mid-may and then also in the pandemic i started keeping bees what's so wonderful about being at your home is how your door opens into the garden, the vegetable garden. So mm-hmm. it, it is part- My bedroom door. Your bedroom door. <laughs> yes. So even the placement of it, I think is quite, it struck me when I was at your home recently that you do, you walk out of your bedroom door and you're in it. Yeah. And it, it kind of creates, it surrounds your I've, home. Yeah, I've tried to do that. I mean, it, in the summer, I'm I'm never inside. I feel weird if I'm inside. You know, I have that nice deck and... And know, a trailer, I might add. A trailer, a yes. Beautiful- I don't know what kind it is, but 
I'm guessing it's in from the 50s because the former owners were so meticulous. When I first bought it in 1998, that all the manuals to the appliances and the original appliances were still there. And the refrigerator was from 1955, so the trailer had to have been from the 50s. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't probably do it in reverse. Thank you for coming to this trailer. I, oh, I'm honored to be in the beeline. So you were talking about growing your vegetables, building your garden, and also your creation making of things mm-hmm. and reuse of things. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned honey. And Terry brought me her collaboration with the bees yes. that are at her home. And I want to learn more about that. They do most of the work. But <laughs> it's it's so beautiful. It's the Handy Hag Homestead pure raw honey. It's a light amber color. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to break it open <laughs> the, oh, right I filled now. that puppy to the top. Wow, you did. The virgin Thank tasting. You. Do you want to have a... Oh, sure. Mm. Ceremonial tasting mm-hmm. on the honey. Oh, what a delicate, delicate sweetness and flavor. It's like eating flowers. Yes. It's so mm. fragrant to the taste buds. It really is so how did this evolve? You were not a beekeeper. I was not a beekeeper. Um, a friend was, and I'm interested. You know, I'm into sustainability and, and trying to, you know, I really would like to be able to live off the land. I want to move to solar. Bees are so essential that I thought, hey, maybe I'll give it a try. So, And I, threatened. And threatened, yeah. And, and yeah, they're just, I learned recently, I've been reading a lot of books because I'm, I'm a natural beekeeper, so I don't use any chemical. And I would say you're a natural at beekeeping. I am a natural. I hope so. I don't know. It is, a, it is such, so heartbreaking. They are so intense and complicated. But, um, yeah, I, I started with one hive, and um, now I have three. And I got a little bit of honey the first year. Um, last year I didn't because I had, uh, you know, various things happen with the hive. So it wasn't weak and it wasn't strong enough to make honey. And, and I bought two new packages of bees. And um, so I harvested about 40 pounds from the spring nectar flow. And three pounds are right here. And three pounds are right here. And um, now I have a couple, I have supers on all three of the hives. So I'll get another fall. And I've never harvested in the fall, but I peeked in there and um, opened up some cells that were uh, in between frames, and it's dark. It's like not as dark as maple syrup, but it's it's very dark. So I'm really curious to to taste the difference in that. But it's amazing. I have my little chair out there, and I observe them, and they're really something. So what is it that you're learning about them and would you say that as you're working with the land where you live, that you're learning things about yourself? Is it tapping into a certain kind of imagination for you? Like, what's happening? What's this process? Well, it it's affected me creatively in in that I'm using a lot of found, much more found sound. So the exercise of listening. In, during the pandemic, it actually came out of desperate attempt to what to do with my sound students over Zoom. You know, so I assigned them to keep a listening, a daily listening journal, audio journal, where they had to record one like little five second sound that piqued their interest, whatever it was. Um, so I started doing it too. And then, um, you know, you can't, the bees make such amazing sounds. So I've been trying to, I've been using a lot of uh, field recorded sound in my sound art compositions 
But watching the bees, you know, they are such a stellar example of community. Every, you know, they have, they're so, and in systems, like I'm really into systems. Mm. Like my, you know, you were talking about, you know, the way I walk out my bedroom door and the de- everything is the way it is through a lot of sort of years of trying, you know, seeing what flows really in, and, um. The bees, you know, they have, they're so system, they've got it down. Like every bee has its job and it just, it's a machine. And they're, and I, I wanted, I learned an interesting factoid lately about bees in that they're one, according to this author, one of the few creatures on earth that takes nothing. They give, you know, they pollinate. So basically they give life. We're, we're hopeless without them. They give us honey they only will attack defensively. They will never offensively go after you. They have no natural prey. And they are Incredible. like, they completely are dependent on each other. You know, I just watching their behavior. Watching their behavior is, that's incredible what you're saying. As human beings who we've wreaked such destruction, such havoc, and we're in the midst of that crisis now. Yeah. And there's such inequity and such really across everything, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. that what you're sharing about bees is certainly something to aspire They towards. don't have a footprint. I'm trying to live without a footprint, trying to make art without a footprint. That's really hard because mm-hmm. I, you know, I enjoy, you know, my organic building of instruments from junk. But I also, I, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with technology and I really love what you can do with computer-based sound or manipulating sound with with digital effects and whatnot so it's really hard to figure how to how to navigate that and the longer I spend on my you know I'm I'm starting to see my whole the homestead as a big art project that life without a footprint and in this living in a sustainable way there's an art to it like the way bees function as a hive you know there's this uni mind that they have that makes that it's an organism the whole hive functions that way but they don't make a footprint and there's not you know there's not that many creatures that you can say that about right that's so true i have to really take that in i have to think about that what has fascinated me as well on your homestead, and I want to get to the name and that you call yourself the Handy Hag. <laughs> so, you know, it's so funny, but also there's real significance to it in terms of what it represents yeah. in culture, contemporary culture, mythologically, being of a certain age, mm-hmm. being of a certain kind of identity. I want to talk to you about that in a minute. Please don't let me forget. But What's been so fascinating to me is that also, like you say, this is part of your artwork, which I see it as as that, this project, but also that you've opened it up through social media. If you're making, uh, harvesting vegetables, you're making sauces, you're making a particular food. Also, I remember so vividly you rigging up something around your hives, I think, to keep the bears out. An electric fence, yeah, you, you have to keep that up there. I had a visitor just two days ago wander right past the the hive, and <laughs> I have a joke with a friend, a couple of friends. We we simultaneously got in, addicted to watching this um, sort of bushwhacker kind of survivalist show, and the, these people get dropped off in the middle of nowhere, and they must have been trained by the showrunners or whatever. But when they saw a bear, they all would say, "Hey, bear." 
And so it just sounds so funny, like hairy bear. So I walked out my front door and there was a bear there and I tried to go take a picture of it. And just as a joke, I kind of said to myself, hey, bear, and it ran away <laughs> just as soon as I said it. So Somebody really, knew something. I, I really said it like like I did about the same level I said it to you. Hey, bear, as a joke, and it ran away. Oh, my, my goodness. My photo opportunity was and, gone. And these are our... Black bears. Yeah, here they're the amazing. Cats. They're so amazing. They are. They're amazing. so black. Their fur, it's like iridescent, like blue black. It's so black. Yes, you know, and that that kind of camel color of their snout. Yeah. And you can see why they made stuffed animals mm-hmm. out of them. <laughs> There's one that comes by here as well outside the trailer. And one night I was walking Roan and the dog, and I thought, oh, is that a Labrador or something? Some sort of dog, oh, yeah. like just beyond us. And no, it was the bear yeah, eating yeah. something. Didn't even look up. Right. Yeah. No, they're, yeah, I feel a little, you know, this time of year, because it's starting to get cold, they're really out and about looking to fatten up. And so that the evil trick with the, because their fur is so thick, if they just touch the electric fence with their body, it barely. So, you know, the the mean kind of, lure, you have to put like bacon on the fence oh. so they go sniff it and get a little zap on their nose. <laughs> well, you know, I, I read or saw somewhere about a beekeeper that has bears that live nearby. And so he started giving them a portion oh. and they learned that they would get something and they stayed away from the hives. I think I was this like a little mini documentary about this. It was a study, right? It was a I study. I saw that. I saw that. And it worked. Yeah, I saw that. So, because I think that's part of, I guess, you're talking about no footprint, but I like to think of well, what's what kind of footprint? Yeah. And like, what kind of relationship do we have? Sure. With yeah, no, I, with the beings around us. Yeah, it's a it's complicated because you know. They were there first, you know, so it's really, you know, it's hard to, you know, I've got a porcupine that's like eating the, you know, siding off my studio, you know, because, and that's a, that's a weird one because you know, that stuff is laden with chemicals. We, I feel like we have this like society of like chemical ridden porcupines. It's not funny, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what. Trying to figure it out. I try to put, you know, cayenne pepper spray on it to make them go away. But, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. So something, something I was, I went to harvest my carrots yesterday. I was going to put some in the freezer and, you know, just sort of stick your fingers down a little bit to see how, but at least see how big it is. And they were big, fat, like inch and a half ones. And I started pulling them up, and they were completely like stubs. Right. Something had eaten them from <laughs> but, underneath. But, you know, again, it's one thing, of course, if somebody's a farmer and their whole kind of economy depends on things, it becomes a different kind of relationship. And I think also a complex one to navigate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, in your case, I just wonder... I don't have the answer, but like, what does it look like to kind of work with certain relationships with the wild yeah, beings around yeah, us? Yeah. And in a way, know that we we are where they yeah. have to live. Yeah. You know? I mean, I leave, you know, I leave a share of tomatoes dropped on the ground. Hope, of course, the squirrels never eat those. They always they take like one bite out of the big, juicy, ripe one. But, you know, you have to let go. You have to, like, you know, I do depend on gardening to feed myself, but I used to get so upset when I, something would kill this crop or bugs would get out. And it's, it really defeats the purpose, you Mm -hmm. know, gardening. I mean, beyond feeding my belly, it feeds my soul in a way that, you know, that connection of like, 
this year for the first time, um, almost all my tomatoes I grew from saved seeds that I saved last year. And um, that was just like, I, uh, just an amazing, yes. like I can feed myself, you know? And, and so every triumph, I also found um, it's a couple, at the beginning of the pandemic, I inoculated a couple of logs with shiitake spore and nothing happened. And I was down uh, going to get something out of uh, on my land. And I walked by those logs and I was like, there was mushrooms, big, uh, you know, I know what a shiitake looks like, but I was like, two years later? Like, so I asked a friend who's a mush, and they're definitely shiitakes, like, spout, wow. spouting out of this log. Well, I th think I shared with you, Nathaniel Whitmore has joined me for Trailer Talk, mm -hmm. and he's a real mus mm -hmm. mushroom expert mm -hmm. and also a, a foraging expert. And but, Heard him. I, you're, you had an episode with him. Yes, not, but yeah. mushrooms are really his yeah. thing, in mm -hmm. case you want to reach out to him. He's in Pennsylvania. But um, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so let's go back to the name, Homestead, and you've named yourself the Handy Hag. Yeah. Well, I am very handy. Yes, you are. <laughs> I can make or build. I, I can, I can without ego, say that, you know, that is one of my, my strong points is that I can make almost anything. But, um, you know, the hag thing, it's like witch, you know, it's like a reclaiming of a term that's a, you know, derogatory term about an older woman, probably, you know, who had an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you only need one to call a, categorize as a, a witch or a hag <laughs> yeah, or one. other things. Yes. Yeah. You only need one, one opinion. <laughs> and I have a lot. Um, so yeah, the handy hag, it just had a ring to it. <laughs> and then the homestead, you know, is because I'm a big homo and, you know, I am make, building a homestead. So uh, yeah, that's how that uh, came about. You know, it appeals to people. They, a lot, you know, women, but you know, everyone seems to appreciate the sentiment, whether they just think it's funny or, you know, I don't think too many people ponder deeply into the, you know, the hag thing. Right. But it is, it's, it's funny but as you say there's a historic connection to it and a yeah. reclaiming of yeah. things yes and... i've offended uh, you know some women are not prepared to they still feel dragged down by the hag uh the hag tag <laughs> <laughs> i should i should make some That's jewelry really a hag tag <laughs> you know they're not right quite ready to own it you know um and terry in thinking about so I guess kind of the next steps for you, you're going to gather fall honey. You were just describing that will be your first time you're harvesting now. What happens as you go into winter and bringing back your composing, you're mm -hmm. a musician, uh, you're making of things. I'm just wondering if you want to share with us maybe a little bit more about that. I, I do have a few gigs here and there, and I actually just started playing music with a new uh, partner, a guitarist named Barbara Gogan, who, you know, we met through a mutual friend, and they invited me to come to their improv session. Um, Sarah East Johnson, dancer, has a studio in Calicoon, and they had been working together, improving music and dance, and they invited me, and Barbara and I just clicked. Like, I haven't connected with another musician i mean we we started calling our duo mrs jones because people were like what's going on with terry and barbara like musical wives you know and that because i hadn't been playing a lot of and writing and creating that much um during the pandemic and 
Yeah, for the last few years. So that was really nice to feel kind of inspired. And also, we just improvise, which is kind of where I am musically. Like, I, I'm not all that interested in reading notes anymore. Um, and like I said earlier, I've been, so I'm doing, I'm playing a lot of my built wood, my wind instruments, um, and then other, not to get too technical, but um, controllers. So they're called MIDI controllers um, that I build out of found objects. So they trigger sounds that are computer based, but it's kind of a funny, you know, my whole connection with technology is I'm constantly striving to find a way to humanize it. You know, like I said, I love to make computer based music, but you know, when I go to a show and it's just a person sitting on stage with a laptop, I'm not that interested to watch. Like, why am Mm -hmm. I there? So I always try to, you know, I want it to, so I build these sort of sensor-based controllers that, you know, I actually have to interact with physically. They're either they're motion controllers or touch controllers or wind control, you know. Um, And, and now I've moved towards triggering sounds that I record in nature. So bird sounds, the bees, water, walking, you know, and and that's the foundation of the sounds that I'm, I'm making now. Oh, I'm really looking forward to listening to these compositions that incorporate these things. And I can, uh, who knows, maybe you'll invite me to your garden. Oh, wow. And I'll just set up a little chair there and, uh, you know, be able to listen. I love listening. You mentioned that. I encourage everyone to listen more. Listen, listen, listen. We're totally dumbing down our ears, becoming a visual culture. That's a really good... Open your ears. That's a really good point. Is there anything else you'd like to share? How can people connect with you, discover some of your work? I do have a website. It's woefully out of uh, date. <laughs> I don't upkeep it, but there's lots of uh, my sound installations, which are built with found objects, lots of electric junkyard gamelan, a uh, little of everything that I'm up to. So terrydame.com. Terrydame.com. More about me than I probably want you to know. Wonderful. <laughs> and then, of course, you can find Terry Dame on social media as well if you do a little bit of searching. Anything else you want to share before we conclude? We'll definitely have Another conversation. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Thank you. This is really fun. Um, you know, just step lightly through life. That's what I'm trying to do. Not leave my big, bumpy human footprints behind and learn from the bees. <laughs> learn from the bees. I've been Eat speak- honey. <laughs> Eat honey. I've been speaking with Terry Dame, who is a musician. She's a composer. She is also a homo homesteader. I'm a homosteader, yeah. A homosteader. <laughs> uh, but talking about this uh, evolution in her own work that is now connected to making and growing foods that she eats and beekeeping and, and things that have to do with what she's doing as she listens to the land. I'm fortunate to have her fresh honey from her bees right here on the kitchen table of the trailer. And it's just been, it's been great. To Thank just... you so much for having me. What fun. You're so welcome. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill 
and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artel. Safe travels.